All right, Trouble Say, good morning. Let's begin by thanking our sponsors to thank our Tamatora sponsors. Sorry. I did have it here. I didn't want to just use it. To thank our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Nisan, to thank Stephen Tarizin for dedicating all the Shimon Joshos with gratitude to Hashem for their first grandson, Adin Svi Hachbaum. Benjamin and Elise Wall for for dedicating all the shiurim and drushos this month in thanking those who make the shiurim accessible beyond the confines of the base medrash, specifically Meishi Abramson and Jeremy Lassen, to thank Shimin Batsheva Messing for dedicating all the shiurim and drushos in honor of the last mitzvah of their daughter Lila, to thank Paul and Kathy Pollock for dedicating the Shurman Joshos this month in memory of Paul's parents, Shmuel Ben Zachario, Leah Bas Avram, and his great grandmother, Cyril Bas Rabdov. We thank our Dafyomi sponsors, Michael Goldsmith, a truly beautiful sponsor, sponsorship for today's Daf, to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu for allowing me to celebrate Pesach again this year. Last year, this is his quote, listen to this, what saying. Last year I was in a coma on life support, suffering from COVID-19. This year, Baruch Hashem, I am alive and learning together with the Chevra and Rabbi Silber every day doing the Daf Yomi. Mazel Tov on the conclusion of Pesachim. Incredible. Incredible. And to thank the Planka family for dedicating the Shir today in commemoration of the Yerzeit of Rav Yosef Karo, Maran Habes Yosef. Truly beautiful. Well said, pretty, pretty inspirational things. All right, with that, let us begin. So we have a lot to do today. Today's Daf is Daf Hey, page five. And we are picking up Emirat Hashem on Daf Dalit Ahmed Beis, and I believe we left off. We left off at Ha'achin Vashutfin, which I will say again is two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve lines up from the bottom. So the Gemara says as follows: First of all, good morning to the Hebron Zoom. Mam, it's just like learning together. It's like Kibbutz Galios over here. We have Eretz Yisrael, Aruch Hashem, Nachman. We have. Uh, Florida, St. Louis, Atlanta. Okay, we've got uh, Baltimore, Baruch Hashem, basements, dining rooms. We've got uh, we've got everything. Although the Chevron Baltimore, I don't know. You gotta hopefully we'll welcome you back in Mir Hashem soon. Bishatova umetzlachas. All right, we'll say with that. Really a great chus to have everyone online. Quite uh, quite beautiful. So we'll say let's begin. So remember again, the Mishnah said as follows. The Mishnah created, said made an interesting statement. The Mishnah said that when you have brothers who inherit an estate. So the Mishnah said, essentially, when they're chayv in Meiser Behima, they're potter from Kolbon. And when they're chayv in Kolbon, they're potter from Meiser Behima. So there's an inverse relationship between Kolbon and Meiser Behima. So it says, let's analyze this for just a moment. So, when you have brothers who become partners, who are chayv in Kolbon, they are potter from Meiser Behima. What's that case? So we'll say, interestingly enough, that case is when they divide up the estate and then ultimately go ahead and re-enter into a partnership. So we'll say, I want to point out something very interesting. The halacha is, the Tiklin Chadatin points out that jointly owned animals are exempt from Meisr Behema. In fact, if we take a look at the Tiklin Chadatin, so on the left-hand side, all the way on the bottom, about five lines, six, yeah, five lines over the bottom, B'Shechilku V'Chazu V'Nishtatfu, Asheim Chayavim V'Kalbon, D'Chishechilku V'Nosnen Sela, Shalim B'Shil Shneihem, Havi Ki'ilu Lovin Zemizah. I say thank you so much. Thank you, Mamish. All right. It's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good day. Baruch Hashem. Coffee's here. 
Incredible. Coffee flows like water in this year, by the way. It's, uh, I, I it's it takes longer time. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So, we'll say, so the Tiklan Chadatin writes, he says, I'm sorry. Interestingly, uh, no, I skipped the line. Because um, the passage is called Peter To make a long story short, so the Tiklin Chadatin explains that by Meiser Behema, the Torah uses the Lashon of Lacha, which is singular. So only an animal owned by an individual is Chayiv in Meiser Behema, but a jointly owned animal is Pater. So therefore, again, the Gemara says if you have brothers, if you have brothers who divide up an estate, who divide up an estate, and then they go ahead and they reconstitute a partnership. So when that occurs, halacha they're chayiv in kalbon, right? Because the, the extra supplemental payments for the half shekel, because even if one pays on behalf of the other, it's considered to be like a loan. But they are potter from Meister Behemoth, because any jointly owned animal is potter from Meister Behemoth. Shechayav in Meister Behemoth, Kalbon. What's the case where they're chayiv in Meister Behemoth and potter from Kalbon? where they did not divide up the estate. Now, both said, it's actually very interesting, where you have brothers inherit a deceased father, and they did not yet divide up the estate. So the halacha is that the undivided estate is considered to be the property of one individual. Which individual? Interestingly enough, the deceased father. So because an undivided estate is considered to be the property of one person, therefore, they'll be chayiv in Meiser Behema. Why they chayiv in Meiser Behema? Because again, halacha lemaisa is considered to be the animal owned by one person. Masha'inkein, they won't be chayiv in kalbo. Good. So the Gemara says, Amarabi, Amarabi Lazar, However, this is only when do we assume that the estate is divided up? The estate is divided up, and ultimately, again, now there are individual owners when you went ahead and you divided different parts among different brothers. So let's say one brother got the sheep, another brother got the ram. However, Avalim Chilku Gidim Kinegidim, Utiyashim Kinegitiyashim, you divide every single part of the estate equally. So every brother gets a share in everything. Then this, that is as if the original estate is intact. But it's an interesting idea because what we assume is like this. In general, when a father leaves the Yerusha, let's assume for a moment that a father did not designate how much each son or what each son is supposed to receive. Just to keep things even easier, let's just assume for a moment that the oldest is a daughter. So there's no Bukhar with Pishna. I mean, you have, you have three brothers. So the three brothers are going to go ahead and divide the estate equally. See, interestingly enough, the Gemara says, when they go ahead, and, so each brother technically has a chilek, has a portion in every single part of property of the estate. So there are two ways to divide the estate. If you go ahead and you just say, look, we're not going to give each brother a chilek in everything, but instead, you know what? You take the sheep, you take the ram. So we'll make sure that financially everyone gets the same thing, but Allah, someone's going to get a separate piece. So the Gemara sees that much more as a case of brothers who divide up an estate, each have their own share, and if they choose to go ahead and get back together, that is a brand new partnership that's been formed. Masha'in came when brothers each receive a chilek of every single type of property in the estate. So the Gemara views that as if the original estate is intact. Interesting chilek. I'm Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan says, no, even if you divide each part of the estate amongst each of the brothers, 
Kilku Chosein, they are considered to be as purchasers from one another. Upeturin min ha-maiser. And ultimately, again, they are exempt from maiser. Kiahu ditaninam kamon, maiser behema. As we discussed, halakuach vishenitlam matana. If you go out and you purchase an untied animal, or one was given to matana, patra mi maiser behema. Ultimately, it is exempt from maiser behema. Good. Rebchia, Amarabi Yermia boy, Amarabi Yermia boy, Velama less Velama less non Amina Pamushen Chayim Bazeh Bazeh. Shabbos say so. The Gemara now gave two examples. There are some times where brothers who divide up an estate will be Chayim in Meiser Behema Pater from Kalbon. Sometimes where they'll be Chayim in Kalbon Pater from Meiser Behema. But you left out a case. Says the Gemara. Why don't you say that there are times where you'll be Chayim in both Kalbon and Meiser Behema? Top of hay. Or Pamushen Pater Mizel Mizel. And sometimes where brothers will be potter from both Kalbon and Maiser. And why don't you bring down those cases as well? Both says, skip the parentheses. For example, interesting case. What if the brothers split up the rest of the rest of the property of the estate, but they did not split up the livestock? All right, so we'll say, so we split up everything else, but not the livestock. So what's that? Chayav and Bazeh, Bazeh. So we'll say in that case, because, remember, we'll say, what happens when you don't split up livestock? What's the status of the livestock? Technically, who owns the livestock? Right? The estate, we'll call it, right? The dead father, right? The estate owns it. Oh, so if the estate owns it, then it is, is it Chayav and Maestro Behema? Right? The answer is yes. Why? Because it only has one owner. So we'll say you can have an, and yet, but if they divided up the rest of the assets, then kind of every brother is his own entity. And therefore, when they give, when they give machzah shekel, they have to pay a kalbon on every machzah shekel. See, interestingly enough, you could have a case of being chayiv in both maiser behema as well as kalbon. A case where they divided up the, 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 the pro call to property, but not the livestock. Similarly, Similarly, um, however, for example, if they divided up the livestock, but did not divide up the rest of the property, they would be potter from both Kalbon and, and Maeser Shani. And Maeser, Maeser, I'm sorry, because also remember again, if they divided up the animals, then ultimately again, that is, that is animals owned in partnership. And therefore, Allah Allah not Chayv Maestro Behema, but if they did not go ahead and, right, not Chayv Maestro Behema, and also part from Kalbon. So we'll say, why do we add those cases as well? Amra Mana, Hada Da'at Amra B'Shelo Chaysa Behema Rov. Avalim Chaysa Behema Rov, Hein Hein Iker Nechassin. Tuch Amana says, that works fine as long as animals were not the majority of the estate. But if the majority of the estate was made up of livestock, then ultimately, again, they become the Iker Nechassin. Good. And therefore, we'll say, for example, that would mean is, if the animals were the majority of the estate and the animals were not divided up, that would be equivalent to having the estate not divided up and therefore only owned by one person, the deceased father. So the Gemara says, because ultimately by Maeser Behema you've made them as one person, does that go ahead and exempt them from Kalbon? Amrlei. Is this not different than the following case? Why would this be any different case, right, from one who gives an entire seller from an undivided estate, in which case there would be a chiv of kalbon. 
If that's the case, based on this, you would say that even if they divide up the estate and then subsequently reconstitute a partnership, you should be chayiv in Meister Behema and Pater from Kalbon. And yet we learned chayiv in Kalbon that ultimately again one is chayiv in Kalbon and Pater from Meister Behema. Good. So, say, so bottom line, what comes out from this is as follows. That the Mishnah points out for us that there is an inverse relationship between Kalbon and Meister Behema. So remember again, for the part about Meister Behema to remember is, by Meister Behema, Halacha la when the animals are owned by partners, the animals are exempt from Meister Behema. When the animals are owned by one person, Chayi Behema. Interestingly enough, that one person doesn't actually even have to be a person. But that person could be what? An estate. An estate. An estate has the status of the individual, which is, which is very interesting. And I just want to point out, because Rabbi Yaakov Rappaport could speak about this more, right? But again, estates, at least in halacha, have two, have two different identities, right? They have an identity, ultimately, again, as an entity onto their own, like an estate, and there, there's, there's a, we'll call this like a cheft, oh, an estate is a din in the gaver and a din in the cheft. It's a little bit of a briska chakira over here. In other words, there's a cheft of an estate, an entity called an estate, right? And then, but sometimes the estate ultimately, again, has the status of the individual, the father. Very interesting idea. So you see over here that the gabi meiser behema, if there is an undivided estate, those animals essentially are considered to be the property of the father, the deceased father, and therefore chayiv and meiser behema. But the moment that we begin to divide things up and then reconstitute a partnership, halach lemaisa, that's jointly owned. Good. And by kalbon, again, we begin to see the same thing over and over. By kalbon, the halacha is going to be whenever one person gives the kalbon ultimately on behalf of someone else. So halach lemaisa, halach lemaisa, they are going to go ahead and be chayiv, or when someone gives the machzah shekel on behalf of someone else, they're going to be chayiv to go ahead and halacha lemaisa, give the kalbon. If it's a gift, if it's a gift, then, if it's a gift, then halacha lemaisa, again, one would not be chayiv for the kalbon. Good. So it says the Gemara as follows. The Gemara says, Rabbi, Rabbi Babashim, Rabbi Abba, Barav Huna, Shnei Achim, Shiyashu Esavien, so, we'll say, so the Gemara says over here, there's no difference between two sons or two brothers who inherited their father, two sons-in-law who go ahead and inherit their father-in-law. That ultimately, again, they are like strangers who entered into a partnership and the original estate is not put back together. So the Gemara says, So ultimately, again, so we'll say, switching gears for just a moment. Where does the kalbon switch to? Where, where does the kalbon go to? So we'll say this whole time, we're speaking about collecting the additional kalbon. Where does it go to? What, are, what, what do they do with the kalbon? So the Gemara Rabbi Meir, Omer, Lishkalim. Both is actually very interesting because, you know, th- this whole time what we were discussing, right, the Mishnah introduced us to the concept of kalbon, which teaches us that Allah so when you give your machtas shekel, you have to pay that little additional amount. And the point of that additional amount was what? was to go ahead and, well, at least it appeared, in order to ensure that you're giving a full machzis shekel. So the shaila then becomes, what, if, what did they do with the kalbon? Because what, what, we'll say, I want to point out this very interesting. We didn't get to this yet. But what you're going to see is, and when it came to the machzis shekel, so not any coin could be used for machzis shekel. The collection was a very specific one, as we're going to get into. So what was the kalbon used for? So we'll say, so watch this. It says, the Gimara, 
What did the Kalbon, what was it used for? Nusadigmar says, Rabbi Meir Omer Lishkalim. So Rabbi Meir says, ultimately, again, it went into the Shekel collection. If you look at, if you look at the Tiklin Chadatin, Rabbi Meir Letamei Darmer Lael, Kashim Shashak Lutorah Kach Kalbonatorah. Now we'll say, Rabbi Meir holds that Halacha Lamaisa, the Din of Kalbon, is the Din Da'oraisa. He holds that the din of Kalbon is mamish, a part of the din of Machtes HaShekel. So therefore, Kalbon went into the same pot as Machtes HaShekel. Okay, that's Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Lezer, Omer Nedava. Rabbi Lezer said it went into the Karban Nedava Fund. Rabbi Shimon Shazuri, although we'll see again exactly what, what Nedava means as well. Rabbi Shimon Shazuri, Omer Rikua. Rikua zav v'tzipu lebeis kodesh hakadoshim. Reb Shimon Shizuri said about site that it went for repairs. Went for repairs. Literally, again, rikua zav means means plates of gold and coverings for the kodesh hakadosh for the holy of holies. So it was used for repairs for for gold for the base hamikdash. Benazai Omer shulchanan hayunotin osim schar. Ben Azai said that the. The Kalbon was the wage of the money changers, right? They must remember, again, the money changers were in high demand, as you saw in the previous Mishnah, because people had to convert whatever their normative coinage was into a master sashakal. So the money changers have to get paid for their time. So the fee that they got was the Kalbon. Interesting enough, so you paid for a master sashakal plus a Kalbon. That Kalbon was kept by the money changers. Others say it wasn't really the wage of the money changers, but rather it was the travel expenses of the money changers. Good. Finished that first. First, first parak of Yerushalmi. Good. Mishnah. Or Allah Allah Mishnah. Mitzarfish. Also, this is very interesting. Mitzarfish Kalmud Darkonos. Also, listen to this. Now, you have to understand, but we'll talk about this in greater depth. Every city had their collection boxes from Axis of Shekel. In other words, we do not make people go to the base Hamikdash in order to contribute their Maxis Shekel. Because that would be that would be an incredible imposition. So what would happen is every city would have collection boxes from Maxis Shekel. Now obviously after that, what has to happen? The Maxis Shekel has to be transferred, transported to Yerushalayim. So we'll say, that's a lot of coins. So what would they do? They would redeem, they would they would really they would exchange the Maxis Shekel for larger denominations. Well, see, isn't this interesting? So you see the process that's happening over here? I'm going to the money changer, exchanging my coin for a shekel, donating my shekel, and then after the collection is done, they are reconverting the shekel into larger coins. Which I will say, tells you something. So why all the work? Well, see, see, see from here, by the way, that it's so important for the individual to give his shekel. It is so important to highlight to every single individual that you matter. That you matter, that you have a chilik in the karbonos, that you have a chilik in the base hamikdash, that you are counted, that you are important. Even though this creates an incredible amount of additional work, nevertheless, again, the hashkafa of machzus hashakel is so dramatically important. So I will say they would redeem the shkalim for darkonos. I will say a darkon is essentially a coin made up of four half shekels or two shkalim, two shkalim, right? So two, so two, really, really four, four, really four shkalim. Well, so we're going to see. That actually, what the Torah calls machzis hashekel is in the times of the Mishnah what they called a shekel. 
those terms are really interchangeable. So essentially, we're going to see that a darkon made up four mbachtsis shekel coins. And they did this because it will say, obviously, it lightens the load. It lightens the load when transporting the coins. The same way they work, we'll say, a shofar is a collection box. We're going to see why, why, why was the collection box a shofar? Because it was shaped like a shofar. It was narrow at the top and wide at the bottom, right? Like an upside down shofar. For what purpose? So you could put coins in, but you can't get anything out. That was, that was the goal. So they're just same way that there were shofros in the mikdash, there were shofros in the, in the cities. Listen to this interesting case. What happens if you sent your shekel? So now, remember, so now you live, you live in, uh, you live in Tel Aviv and you deposited your maxis shekel in the shofar. So now again, they're taking the coins. Both say, now watch this. The gunvo osha avdu. Let's say then what happens? Your shkalim are stolen or lost on the way. So the shkalim are being taken from Tel Aviv to Yerushalayim. And now on the way, they're stolen or lost. So now what's the shayla? What's the shayla? What's my liability now for Machzis HaShakel? So the Gemara says as follows. Im Nisra Mahatruma. So says we're going to see if Halacha Lamaisa, if Halacha Lamaisa, they already withdrew the money in the base HaMikdash. So says we're going to see as follows. According to this approach, and this is really quite dramatic, when they would withdraw the money, right, they would withdraw the Shkalim in the base HaMikdash to use for communal karbanos, they would withdraw the money with the intention for any, on behalf of any money that was collected and any money which will be collected. So now what the Mishnah says is as follows. If the money, if at the time that the money was lost, Nisra Mahatruma, the collection was already done in the Mikdash. When I say collection, I means I shouldn't say collection. I should say withdrawal. If the withdrawal was already done in the Mikdash at the time the money was lost, then Gizbarin, then Abba said the people transporting the money take an oath to the Gizbar, to the temple treasurers that they did not misappropriate. Vim love, but if not, in other words, if the temple withdrawal was not yet withdone, was not yet withdrawn, then Then ultimately again the transporters take a shvua to the, to the, to the residents of the city that they do not misappropriate. And in that case, the B'nai'ir would have to set, would have to donate another machzah zashakal. So bottom line, what it comes down to is as follows. Everything depends on timing, like most things in life, right? Which is, if the machzah zashakal was lost prior to the withdrawal in the mikdash, then ultimately they would have to go ahead and contribute another machzah zashakal. If the loss occurred after the withdrawal, then it appears that Halach said they would not have to go ahead and, and, and contribute again. Again, we'll see exactly how this works. So the Gemara says, What happens if they go ahead and they find? What happens if they go ahead and they find the, yeah, if you take a look. Um, okay, fine. So, much good. so what, ha- what happens if they go ahead and they find, what happens if they go ahead and they find the lost or stolen shkalim? So what's the halacha? So the Gemara says, Both coins, the first coins and the second coins, both have the status of Maxis HaShakel. But I will say, interestingly enough, so you'll say, okay, no problem. Let's just credit one Maxis HaShakel for next year's connect collection. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way, I will say. In other words, shkalim collected this year can only work for this year can't be credited towards next year. So again, 
we'll discuss exactly what you do with those coins. Says the Gemara, I v'yasu also magolios. So we'll say, once you're telling me that halacha lamaisa, I can go ahead and exchange smaller coins for larger coins in order to lighten the load. I have a better idea. Why don't you exchange the coins for pearls? In other words, exchange it for some type of precious stone. Obviously, pearls are much lighter than anything, and a pearl could be worth, you know, tens of shkalim. Does, doesn't that make it easier? Twitch the says, no, 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 shema tazla magalios, mafsid. We're concerned that pearls depreciate. So because pearls depreciate, what can end up happening? Halach pearls depreciate, and you end up causing a loss to the base HaMikdash. as we learned, the kulon niftin bekasef or b'sha bekasef. In general, consecrated items can be redeemed onto money and to items of value. Chutz mishkalim, with the exception of shkalim, which cannot be redeemed onto objects, but can only be redeemed onto other forms of money. Vein poldim bekelim, and we do not go ahead and redeem anything onto utensils. We are concerned that Allah the utensils will depreciate. Vinimsa hektish mafsid, and hektish will end up losing out. So to over here, we don't want anyone redeeming the coins onto pearls, lest you go ahead and have depreciation of the pearls and the base Hamikdash ends up losing out. To which the Gemara says, Our Mishnah is talking about But with old Shkalim, this is not the case. Now what does that mean? If you take a look in the Tiklin Chadatin, now you see where the parish gets its name from. So we'll say Tiklin Chadatin, remember in Aramaic, a shin and a saf are interchangeable. So shiklin, tiklin, same thing. Look at look at the look at the tiklin chadatin masnisin. We'll say interestingly enough. When we speak about this day that there are collection boxes for the Shkalim, that was only for the current year Shkalim. So I will say, as we're going to discuss, what happens if you forgot to contribute your Maktis shakal from last year? So you might have thought that's what? Done. No, no, no. Right? Whenever you owe money, you owe money, right? It doesn't make a difference. You got to pay. So I'll say, so the idea is, however, interestingly enough, the collection boxes that were set up in local, lo- in local locations were only for the current year's shekel. If you forgot to bring last year's machsas shekel, that had to be brought to Yerushalayim. So the Gemara says, You can only contribute your old shkalim in the base HaMikdash and not in the Medina. Masnisin, Furthermore, again, the Gemara says, the Mishnah is b'shomer chinam. Both say now, focusing a little bit on the case where the person transporting the shkalim lost them or it was stolen. Right? So the Mishnah, the Gemara says, the Mishnah is talking about a shomer chinam, an unpaid custodian. Again, and that's where, that's where the custodian could exempt himself by swearing. Right? And the only variable is what? Is what? Who you swear to. Right? First of all, when? Right? When does the loss occur? And who you're swearing to, which are really tied to each other. Right? If the loss occurred after they withdrew the money, then the Shomer swears to the Gizbar. If the loss occurred before the Gizbar withdrew the money, then ultimately, again, he swears to the townspeople. But ultimately, again, with the Shomer Sacher, remember again, a Shomer Sacher is Chayiv for Geneva Vaveda. Right? A paid custodian is on the hook, is personally liable, even if property is stolen or lost. So this idea of the Shomer exempting himself through a Shvua is only a din by Shomer Chinam, not a din by Shomer Sachar. Am Rabbi Abba, Vafil, Tim, Shomer Sachar. Now you can even come up with the case of Shomer Sachar. When, Nignivu, Balistim, Azuyan, Avdu, Bemisha, Tavas, Vinas, Avayam. Rabbi Osei, because remember again, a Shomer Sachar is Pater when? 
for own sin, for extenuating circumstances, right? So for example, armed robbers would be an example of extenuating circumstances. Boat sinking would be an example of extenuating circumstances. So you could have a case of even a Shomer Sarkar, even a paid custodian, exempting himself from liability with a Shavuot. So this mission reflects the idea, this is really incredible, that when the Beis HaMikdash, when they withdraw the monies in the Beis HaMikdash, they withdraw it based on the money that has been collected and the money which will be collected. Which means that if your money is in transit, it is as if it is already in the coffers of the Beis HaMikdash being withdrawn. Pretty incredible. So we'll say ultimately again, the Gemara says, um, I'm sorry, I skipped the line here. Uh, and it appears from here, based on this Mishnah, again, it would not reflect the opinion who holds that we do not collect based on that which is collected or will be collected. If you look at if you look at Tiklin Chadatin, he says, All the Gemara just pointed out saying the other side. Our Mishnah reflects the view that when they withdraw the funds from the coffers of the Beis HaMikdash, they're withdrawing it based on money collected and money which will be collected. Why? Because according to the other opinion, who holds then, no, no, no. They only withdraw in the Beis HaMikdash for money that's what? That's been collected. According to that approach, when the money has been lost in transit, the Shomer will always take his oath to the townspeople. Okay, just an interesting distinction. The Gemara says as follows: Bnei Ha'ir Shashiklu Ashikleim. I'm Rabbi Lazar. Rabbi Shimon he. Rabbi Shimon Omer. Rabbi Shimon says: Kachim Shuchai Bachriyus and Kinechasafein. But Rabbi Shimon holds that Allah Chalamaisa. If you take a look at the last line of the Tikkun Chadatin, Rabbi Shimon he. Hadisam Masis Nashomim Nishban. Rabbi Shimon he didn't locate Hakamal and Shalakdesh. So we'll say generally we have a concept that you don't take a shvua over consecrated property, regarding consecrated property. Reb Shimon, however, is of the opinion that when you have a consecrated item for which you have personal responsibility, if something happens to it, you will take a shvua. So our Mishnah clearly reflects the view of Reb Shimon, because remember, in this case where the shkalim have been lost, the shomer is taking a shvua. The Gemara says, says, the truth is, this is, everyone agrees with this principle in the Mishnah. What's the principle? If you're transporting Shkalim and you lose them, you have to take a Shavuah. You have to take a Shavuah. Everybody agrees that you have to take the Shavuah. Why are both saying? Because this Shavuah is a Takana de Rabbanon. Takana de Rabbanon. Why is it a bit of Last, last take a look on the page. This is incredibly important. Rabbi Yochanan says, Rabbi Yochanan says, I'm sorry, back to Malal for just a moment. Rabbi Yochanan says, this Shavua is a Takana Drabana. See, Rabbi Yochanan Midda Oraisa, we do not administer Shavuas on consecrated items. That's Midda Oraisa. We'll discuss where that concept comes from. However, the rabbis legislated that if you're in charge of transporting maxis a shekel, half shekel coins, and something happens, in order to exempt yourself from personal liability, you must take a shavua. Now, I will say the logic behind that is, is because we don't want people being derelict in their responsibility in general, people are not as careful with stuff that is not their own. 
that, that, that's just the general klal. And they're even less careful with things that belong to the general public. So Chazal were concerned that if there's no level of liability for the person transporting the half shekel coins from the provinces to the Beis HaMikdash, then how is he going to be, then, then what's, our, what's, what's, what's the insurance policy that he's going to be careful? So therefore, Chazal instituted a shvua. If something happens to the half shekel coins on your watch, you're chayiv a shvua. Uh, the Gemara says, mm-hmm. So I was like, this makes sense. That's why, again, the Mishnah says, the only variable, variable will be who you're taking your Shavuah to. Is the Shavuah made to the Gizbar? Is the Shavuah made to the townspeople? However, the Gemara says, so ultimately, again, according to Rabbi Lazer, however, I understand why the Shomer would have to go ahead and take a Shavuot to the townspeople. That, that I understand. Because again, he's chayv in the Achrais of the Machsas HaShakel. But why would he have ever have to take a Shavuot to the Gizbar? To which the Gemara says, Oh, I'll tell you. The Gemara says, It means, it means that Allah, according to Rabbi Lazer, that the Shomer will take a Shavua to the townspeople in the presence of the Gizbar. So ultimately, again, because Rabbi said this way, the Shomer kind of has to clear his name. Because if something happens, it's not good. If something happens to the Machsa Shekel, right? If you're, if you're driving the Brinks truck of the Machsa Shekel from the provinces to Yerushalayim and something happens to your Machsa Shekel, that, that's not good. So according to Rabbi Laser, the Shvu is actually taken, for, it's taken, meaning he takes it, the Shvu is taken to, to it's the wrong word. The shvu is taken, yeah, to, for, towards, right? He, he owes a shvua to the townspeople. But ultimately, again, the shvua is taken not only towards the townspeople, to the townspeople, but in the presence of the gizbar, really in an effort to totally clean his name, clear his name. Because we'll say ultimately, again, that this is actually very interesting. What happens if the townspeople say, you know what? Right, we'll call Ruven was the, was the transporter. They say, we trust Ruven. Ruven's a good guy. It's okay. It's okay. He doesn't have to take a shvua. We're happy to contribute again. Let him off without the shvua. The Gemara says, doesn't work. Ruven must take a shvua. Why must Ruven take a shvua? Ultimately, again, because ain't hectish say below shvua. We'll say fascinating halacha. So the Gemara says over here, this is now, this is, even though this is between Ruven and the townspeople, halacha lamai said there is a rabbinic enactment that in order to go ahead and close out this process, the Shomer must take a shvua. And even if the townspeople want to release him from that liability, the halacha does not release him from liability. Pretty incredible. Hifrish shiklova abad. So we'll say interesting halacha. So what happens if a person? There's a lot of there's a lot of really good pieces in the Rambam over here also, but just because of time, I don't think we're going to get to do it. Um, yeah, okay. You know what? You'll remind me. I, I owe it to you. All right, we'll get to it. Hopefully, maybe in a little bit. So Gemara says as follows: What about hifr shiklova about interesting case? What happens if you went out and you separated out your machzah shakel and you lost it? You lost it. Rabbi Yochanan mechay b'achir yusashim shalom gizbar. Rabbi Yochanan says. You are a chayiv for that machzah shekel until it reaches the hands of the gizbar, right? Until it reaches the hands of the temple treasurer. This is very interesting. Rabbi Shimon says, once you separate it, 
It is in the presence of the Beis HaMikdash, wherever it is. Wherever it is. So the Gemara says, Masnisa pliga Reb Shemel Lakish, the Mishnu argues Reb Shemel Lakish, Nishpoin libnei ha'ir, ubnei ha'ir shoklin tachteyen, lo od, humishim shvuas takonas. Well, say, interestingly enough, so interesting enough, the Gemara says, but the Mishnah seems to argue Reb Shemel Lakish, because remember, what, what does Reish Lakish say? Reish Lakish holds that halacha lamaisa, halacha lamaisa, once you separate out the machzah shakal, that is considered to be the property of the Beis HaMikdash. And what that sounds like is, even if you lose it, you're not chayiv. Right, because really what it is, is it's a loss for the Beis HaMikdash. It's a loss for the Mikdash, to which the Gemara says, well, maybe not. When the Gemara says, Because the Mishnah makes it sound like if the Mahzah shekel is lost, what's the halakha? You have to go and separate out the Mahzah shekel. So I'll say, ultimately, again, it could very well be that the obligation to give another Mahzah shekel is kind of part and parcel of this obligation of Shavua. That it could be that Midda Oraisa, once you separate out your Machtas shekel, you're done. You're done. And if it gets lost, that's a loss to the Beis HaMikdash, not a loss to you. But Allah says it's possible that because of the Shavua Stakana, ultimately we go ahead and we make him separate it out again. So we'll say, so it, it is interesting. I will share with you over here. Um, yeah, so this is Paragimel, Paragimel Halachas Ches and Tes. So interestingly enough, um, okay, you know what? Let, let, let's finish first. Let's finish. So many, so much good halakha with this. Okay, focused. So the Gemara says as follows: Tani Harishon Nofel Matiklin Charetim Mashneim Nofel Matiklin Atikin. So let's remember again the Mishnah said. So what happens if halacha lamaisa? You end up going ahead and contributing. So remember, let's say they find the first shkalim. They end up finding the first shkalim. So what's the halacha? So the first shkalim ultimately will become tiklin charetim. And the the, old, the second ones will become tiklin atikin. So now the Gemara is expanding this a little bit. The first set, right? Because remember, the lashon of the Mishnah, the lashon of the Mishnah was elu vi elu shkalin vein olin hein l'shana haba. So the Mishnah said, if they end up finding the lost shkalin, everything has the din of machzas hashakel. Everything has the machzas hashakel. But ultimately, again, you can't credit anything to next year's collection. So I'll say, okay, when we say both are shkalim, what does that mean? So now the Gemara kind of fills in the blank. Tani, the, the first ones become the new shkalim, which sounds like this year's shkalim. And the second ones fall into a collection pot known as old shkalim. Tiklin atikin. So I'll say, so... We'll discuss, by the way, so new shkalim, I understand what they're used for. Old shkalim, we'll have to discuss. But we'll say, what's the problem? Which one is the first? Which ones are the first ones? Which ones are the second ones? Right? 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 Once you hear what the Gemara just said, the first ones are the new shkalim, and the second ones are the old shkalim. Thank you. Which ones are the first? Which ones are the second? Rabbi Pinchas, Rabbi Avamari, Chad Amar, Elu Shashalchu Ir Trila. So we'll say, so one opinion says, the first ones are the first ones they sent. Those are the first ones. Kharna said, Elu Kharna said, no, no, the first ones, ultimately, again, are the first ones which reach the Gizbar. So I'll say, Machlokes, ultimately, again, a Machlokes in which is first and which is second. Is it the first, the first ones which were donated, or is the first, ultimately, again, the first ones which reached the hands of the Gizbar? So that's a Machlokes. The Rambam happens to Paskin in Halacha Tesvav over here. And this is in where? In... Uh, in Perek Gimel, Hilchos Shkalim. So the Rambam Paskins, 
First of all, I'll just say, we'll say, all right, fine. Fine, you twist the marbles. Listen to this. So the Rambam says, Misha, this is Parakim Alochachas, Misha Avat Shiklo Chai Bachri Yusa Shim Shonali Gizbar. So the way we pass in Alochachamaisa is you have personal responsibility for your Machsa Sashakel until it reaches the hands of the Beis Hamikdash, until it reaches the hands of the Gizbar. Benea Yerbos is very important. So, if some, so you separate a Machsa Sashakel, something happens to it, you're personally responsible until it gets to the hands of the Beis Hamikdash. I, what happens if you sent it with a Shaliach? So then the Rambam goes through that whole case. Benea Yerbos Shiklaim Biyad Shaliach. So we'll say, if you sent your machzis shekel with a shaliach, and then something happened to the machzis shekel, then I'll say, interestingly enough, it depends on who you sent it with. Is it a shomer chinam? Is it a shomer sacher? Right? Is it ultimately, again, an unpaid custodian, a paid custodian? Either way, either way, the shomer has to take a shvua about what it is that occurred. What happens then if they find the first shkalim? And I will say, by the way, essentially what happens in, is in all cases, in all cases, where the machzis shekel is lost, what's ta'alacha, Rabbi What's ta'alacha? You have to replace it. Because remember, again, this is why the Ramam adds these halachas in this sequence. The first halacha is that the machzis shekel is not considered to be collected until it reaches the hands of the gizbar. Which means until it reaches the hands of the Beis HaMikdash, you're responsible for it. Which means even if you give it to a shaliach, ultimately, again, the halacha is if that shaliach loses it, you're still responsible. Now again, the shliach may be responsible depending on the type of his shlichos. But Allah is assuming that the shliach is exempt, he took a shavua, he's exempt, I have to pay the second shekel again. So what happens if we find the first shkalem? So we'll say ultimately again, both. So it turns out that year I'll end up donating two half shekels. So as we're going to see, the first ones become tiklin chadetin this year's shkalim. The second ones, or the old ones, become last year's shkalim. So we'll say, then the Rambam goes on, he says, okay, we have, we have to go back there. We'll say, that, 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 so that's the halacha, that's the halacha. You are personally responsible for your maxa shekel until it reaches the hands of the Beis HaMikdash. So if you send it with a shaliach and it gets lost, so there's two halachas. What's the halacha of the shaliach? Depends if he's a paid custodian, unpaid custodian. Either way, he can't be released from liability until he takes a shavua. But once he releases himself from liability, I'm still back on the hook. So I have to give another maftis shekel. If it turns out that they find the lost or some maftis shekel, both shkalim are consecrated. One goes for this year's shekel, one goes for quote unquote last year's shekel. Now, what it means to be collected for last year's shekel, story means to be seen. Mishnah. Hanosin shiklo yado. Vishnu, the Atmos, listen, it's just case. I give my friend the maxa shekel and say, listen, Ruben, do me a favor. Here is my maxa shekel. Do a heading, go ahead and contribute it on my behalf. And Ruben decides to keep it for himself and contribute it on his own behalf. What's the If once the withdrawal was done, so Ruvain has committed mi'ilah because he's effectively misappropriated base Hamikdash property. This goes with the idea that once the withdrawal was done, the withdrawal was done for that which is collected and that which will be collected. So ultimately, again, if one goes ahead and contributes a machis a shekel from a coin that is already consecrated, and the withdrawal was done, and the animal was offered, he's committed me'ila. So the Gemara says, if a person gave machis a shekel 
ultimately again from a coin, which was vested with Meister Shani sanctity or Shvi'as sanctity, he should eat something corresponding to the value of the coin. We'll see what that means in just a moment. Says the Gemara, Hashokel, Anan Taninan, Imkarva HaBehema, Vitani Dibay Rebbe, Imnitshama So we'll say two different versions over here. When does the individual misappropriate the Machsa Shaka? When does he commit Mi'ila? One version says only after an animal has been offered. Other version says that ultimately once the withdrawal has been done. Skip the parentheses. Mantana Imnitshama Who is the opinion who says once the Truma has been taken? Right, because remember again, both say once the withdrawal has been done on the base hamikdash, then halachalamaisa the withdrawal is done based on the coins which have been collected and which will be collected. So once the withdrawal has been done, then halachalamaisa Ruvain, who took my machzas shakal that I gave him to contribute for me, and he used it to contribute for himself that he's committed to me. Ilah, whose opinion is that? Rabbi Shimon, he the Amr Rabbi Shimon miyat hayom mekabam ha'osav. So again, this is actually part of a different discussion. In general, in the base Hamikdash, if you remember, the base Hamikdash had to buy large amounts of flour, wine, oil, livestock. So the Shaila there was when do the merchants get their money? Do they get paid upon delivery of the goods? Or do they get paid only once the goods are used? Now, say, now, why would you pay them only once the goods are used? There's a very good reason, which is what? Spoilage, right? There's a concern about spoilage, because remember, again, if the Beis HaMikdash pays for something and they can't end up using it, that's really going to be a bit problematic. So Rabbi Shimon is of the opinion that halacha you pay the vendors immediately. Pay them right upon receipt. Why? Because Kohanim's reason, hey, because ultimately, again, the Kohanim are Zoris. They are alacritists, right? They do their avodah very quickly. And therefore, Allah says, there's no concern regarding spoilage. The Kasha, the Immersus, but this poses a, kasha, a question against the first case of the Mishnah. If a person were to go out and steal the Ola of his friend and then shecht it without specific intent, we assume that Allah said, Ola that is offered up Stam, even though it was stolen, atones for the owner. Because a Stam, a regular, right, a power of intent should, go, should be a default intent to an original owner. If that's the case in Allah, same thing when I give Ruvain my Machzis Ashakel and ultimately he contributes it, on my, he, he takes it for himself and he gives it. If he gives it with non-specific intent, it should work for my obligation. We're going to see that Allah, we'll have to stop over here. We'll pick up with this piece tomorrow about, uh, about when you take something, but then go ahead and offer it up with non-specific intent. Does the item ultimately lapse back to its default setting or does it take on its stolen setting in Hashem to be continued tomorrow? All right, Chevron Zoom. I'll say those of you who are see over Yantiv, look forward to seeing over Yantiv. But those of you who are away, have a wonderful, wonderful Yantiv. Chakasha v'sameach, a good Shabbos, and it's a great schus to learn with all of you. I'm actually looking at all of you. I'm just looking at my computer screen. Yeshikayek, everyone. Bye, Shalom Aleichem. How are you? Give me one second.